I gotta say, it's weird to have stopped by uh, Madman, which is our coffee place that we always stop at and get red eyes before we do this show. I gotta say, it's weird to have stopped there and to be drinking a red eye and be in the studio, but you're not here. Yeah. So last week I was at my house and you were at your house and it was bi-coastal and this week it is bi-coastal once again, but I'm back in New York in the studio. Yes. So that will explain the discrepancy in audio quality, but it is very strange for me to just be sitting in here alone. I feel like a weirdo. Yeah. So we're like, we're like halfway there, right? We're halfway back to being normal tipping pitches, but yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. What have you been up to since we talked last? I saw that you went on a California adventure. I did. I went up to Sonoma for a few days, and that was fun. Pretended to be an adult, tasted some wines, pretended to know what I was talking about. Did you uh, then, catch any Stompers games, even though they're not playing right now? Did you go to the park? <laughs> I did. It was like it was kind of like a Field of Dreams thing, where like no one was actually there, but I saw a whole game played before my eyes. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> what are you watching, honey? The baseball men. <laughs> I watched that um, last week. Yeah, you did. How was it? It was so great. It's great every time. It's always, it always an adventure is. when I'm showing it to someone who hasn't seen it yet. Because I'm like, at what point are they going to be like, okay, this is bullshit. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, none of the premise of that movie makes any sense at all. No, if you just read out not. the things that happened to a stranger and they're not watching the film, it's like, this is ridiculous. Why would I ever watch a movie of this? Wait, so it's like... It's like a movie about ghosts who are just running around a, a cornfield. Yeah, Phoebe that, kept that's, saying that's the premise. <laughs> Phoebe kept saying this is a horror movie, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I can't really deny that. But okay, but yeah, it was great. So what else did you do? And then, uh, and then I went down to L.A. for a couple of days. I just got back yesterday. Your favorite place? That was that was enjoy- <laughs> that was enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, the, the long drive down through absolute nothingness. So you guys drove, or did you catch a bus or something? No, we drove down. Yeah. That's fun. It was kind of fun. It's more fun when you're doing it with someone else. The drive back up, I was like, all right, I guess it's time to knock out literally all of the podcasts I've been missing yep. for the last couple of weeks. I'm so far behind on my podcast just because I've been like with people. You know? Yeah, exactly. I don't want to be strange. rude. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> like, people are like, oh, I'll go with you to do this. I'm like, nah, it's okay. I just I need some me time. <laughs> Just snag 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. My parents were watching like NFL playoffs and I would have like one headphone in just listening to like Jesus and Miro or something just to try to catch up. <laughs> something that I didn't really need to pay too close attention to. Yeah, but exactly. Also, yeah. So that I could respond to them and make it seem like I was invested in being there. But also I get a little anxious when all these podcasts start to pile up. Yeah, that's true. I like I scroll through and I start deleting some. I'm like, I really don't want to do this, but like there's no way I'm going to go back and listen to you talking about the third week of December and the lack of trans- transactions there. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is what it is. Hopefully no one let our podcast back up. <laughs> True. <laughs> what have you been up to? Ah, uh, Not much. I mean, I went back to Philly this weekend to do like a little graduation dinner in South Philly. And we chose to go on Saturday, not even thinking about the fact that the Eagles were playing their playoff game on Saturday night and the place that we went was like a five minute drive, like a stone's throw 
from yeah. Lincoln Financial Field. <laughs> so we had to just like <laughs> drag out our dinner to be so that we wouldn't sit in a parking lot on 995 on the way home. <laughs> That's true. But it was fun. Yeah. Uh, it was BYOB and me and Phoebe went and found the bottles of wine that we drank while we were in Italy. So it was, you know, it was nice. Uh, okay. So we got a couple wine aficionados over here. <laughs> We should just make that our podcast segment. We leave for one break and both of us become sommeliers. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. I'm ready to be back in New York for the long haul, though. It is yeah. freaking cold here, though, dude. Don't come I back until imagine. you have to. It's like 10 degrees here. Yeah, it was like 80 in LA. I come back up to Oakland and it's like 65 and I'm going to come out to New York and it's going to be like half that. Dude, it's terrible. Just like you sent me the picture of our gas bill, and I was like, Christ, we weren't even here for two of the weeks of that month. Yeah, that's how much we use that heater. Keeping it on that don't let pipes burst heat level. (laughs) Yeah, truly. I can't believe that's a thing. That's so funny to me. Yeah, you've never had to grow up with that, right? Nope. We should really move this operation to California. Yeah, we really should. Once we both graduated, we're definitely coming, coming out here. Grab a studio in San Diego or something. Or even, I don't, know, I don't care. We could go to the Bay. It's fine. All right. Dope. We could do like, we could have a, we could be headquartered in San Diego and have like a, uh, a satellite location in the Bay Area. <laughs> Where are we getting all this money? <laughs> <laughs> if anyone who's listening who's a very wealthy donor <laughs> wants to. Anonym, anonymous donation. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be anonymous. We'll just shout your name out. We'll l- literally name the show after you if you give us enough money to both move out to California full time. And have two separate studios? Yeah. All right. It feels like we should probably start talking about baseball and not just our uh, wine credentials, wine tasting yeah. credentials. Yeah, I don't know. We, we probably should. There's been, there's been a, a couple things to talk about in this slow, long, boring offseason. It's actually kind, it's getting kind of ridiculous that like, nothing is. is happening. We're, like, less than, what are we, like, 80 days away from, like, the season? Not the actual season, but, like, pitchers and catchers. And, like, nothing is happening. Teams, I haven't even heard, like, whispers about the biggest free agents. I mean, I know that basically the Red Sox are out on Eric Hosmer, and the Yankees just pulled an offer off the table for you, Darvish, right? I read that story somewhere. But other than that, there's, like, nothing. Yeah, I don't even know, man. And J.D. Martinez is considering holding out, like, through spring training. I don't get it. It's collusion. It is collusion, if we're being honest. Like it's, it's just it's collusion by intelligence. You know, yeah. like teams are not willing to give up all this money at the risk of the free agent being terrible in like the fourth year of their contract. So they just don't. Yeah. Also, it's mixed what, feelings about it. I do too, but it's also what we talked about. I think during the season when the playoffs started, I'm not. I don't really remember specifically what episode, but I remember we had a conversation about about how like the league was so top heavy. And so it's like all of the teams that made the playoffs last year and all of the teams that are good are still going to be good next year, and they don't need yeah. to add any of these people. And Yeah, there's, there's not a lot of middling teams who could like get a lot of value from adding a couple wins. No. I, I mean, the only team that I could think of that would really want to do it is the Mariners, right? Or the Mets. The Mariners just because of Jerry Depoto, and the Mets because you can kind of throw out 2017 um, in terms yeah. of like injuries and, and what that projects for in 2018. I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird off season, and none of the free agents are really like franchise changers like next year's. Right, and so there's the question of are people holding out until next off season and just waiting to spend their money then? Yeah. Although I don't, I don't know, man. These club they they have money. They have money. <laughs> yeah, and they should spend it. Let's they be should. real. Just yep. give the players the money that they deserve. Yes. 
before we start getting into some of the free agent cold stove, hot stove, lukewarm stove <laughs> stuff, I just want to take a moment and talk about the passing of Home Run Derby, I believe is his full name, but Derby, known colloquially, the uh, the Trenton Thunder bat dog. Um, yeah. It's a really sad, really sad moment to see because I grew up 10 minutes from Trenton and I am a huge dog person, have, have always had dogs in my house. And being able to go to your local uh, minor league team and hang out and see something different like this was always really cool to me. And like growing up, I thought, oh, everyone has a bat dog. And then when I like, <laughs> <laughs> when I got a little older, I was like, oh, no, this is actually a pretty unique thing. And if you haven't seen or read about it, you should go watch the ESPN short film that they did on it. It's like 15 minutes long, um, just about like the lineage of the bat dog at Trenton Thunder. I've always thought it was a really cool idea. I never really got the the backlash to it because kids loved it and it, it boded well for like Bark at the Park Day. So RIP Derby, you brought so many happy moments to me as a kid and many other people as a kid. Yeah, truly. It really is a unique idea. I'm, I love it. It's really awesome. And he, I mean, he got like nationwide fame from this, right? Like you were saying, ESPN uh, did their special about it and he... Uh, yeah, it was like a tradition that was passed on from his father, who was the, I guess, the original bat dog for the Trenton Thunder. So it's really sad to see and a really cool idea, too. I don't know if you know if they have plans to continue that sort of thing, if if Derby if Derby has a family. Yeah, Um. so the original one was Chase, and that was the one that I, like growing up, knew. And Chase was a legend. People have, like, Chase shirts memorabilia amazing he got to go to yankee stadium and be the bat dog there for a game or something like that and then his son was derby um who just passed away and then derby has a son named rookie which is all in the documentary rookie had been born and rookie is the one who in the documentary like runs out his first (laughs) his first live game going to pick up the bat they uh they had been training him for a while but he was still kind of a puppy he was like a year or under a year old and he just ran out and chased the ball. <laughs> There's a great article in Deadspin that was like, Trenton Thunder rookie bat dog or something like that has an identity crisis. Because <laughs> they trained him to get the bat, but he wants to chase the ball. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that so much. So now I think uh, the plan is just that rookie is going to take over. And uh, he was born in 2013. So he's the third generation. Um, and I think, I mean, it seems like the plan is just to continue for uh you know rookie to have a litter of his own and then to train one of those dogs to be it but i think it's awesome the kids all love it i've never been to a trenton thunder game where uh derby or rookie or chase ran out there and i didn't hear some kids sitting around me being like oh my god dog something like that you know (laughs) so and half the time that was probably you uh yeah not not including me. <laughs> not counting me. <laughs> I literally just like will point to dogs on the street and be like, Wow, beautiful <laughs> Angel. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. my Twitter bio. Extremely likely to hurl compliments at your dog on the street. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good names for dogs too. Are you kidding me? Derby, rookie. Chase. I love that. You're right. Yeah. Excellent. Just an excellent idea. Love it. Really sad. Excellent all around. Really excellent sad around. to see them go. Excited to see the uh, the tradition passed down, though. See what rookie can bring to the table. Agreed. All right, let's uh, let's get into the baseball transactional window a little bit. 
Yes, we had a we had a couple real moves go down in the last week or so. So the big one is Garrett Cole. Ignoring the fact yeah. that I'm a Mets fan, ignoring the fact that we live in New York, the biggest one is probably Garrett Cole. Um, going to the defending champions, I feel like the only thing that we really said about the Astros at the end of last season, other than the fact that their closer fell apart, was just the fact that they needed one more starter. And when they got Verlander, uh, they kind of needed two starters back when they got Verlander, but they were able to push him in the playoffs in a way that they won't be able to in the regular season next year. So going and getting Garrett Cole, I feel like, is a bold move for a franchise that has a ton of a ton of wealth to spread around. I think it's a smart move. What do you think? Oh, it's absolutely a smart move. Are you kidding me? The Astros, <laughs> this is this is like the, I mean, it's not like it, but like this is like the Warriors going out and getting Kevin Durant or something like that. It was like, you didn't need this. Like, you did not need to add this starter, but I guess everyone else can just give up now because is it going to be fair? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the whole trade was that the the Pirates got back Joe Musgrove, Michael Feliz, Colin Moran, and Jason Martin. Uh, sounds good to me. I think the Astros are probably very happy with this trade because they didn't really have to give up any of their like top, top prospects. And they got back a guy who on any other team would be a number one starter, right? Yeah. And he's going to slot into what, their number three spot maybe? Their number two spot? So I do want to add, okay, I do want to talk a little bit about Garrett Cole though. He had one amazing season in 2015 when he pitched. He was basically unhittable and they threw him in the wild card game and he just got outdueled by Arietta, right? But other than that, he's been above average, I'll give you that. And he has really good stuff and I know he's battled a little bit of injuries over the last couple of years, but he's been sort of on the decline. What a lot of people have been talking about is that potentially he becomes a league average starter a year or two from now and so the pirates being one of those organizations that focus a lot on studying their players bodies and sleep and all that thing i know they had i know effectively wild or ringer mlb show or some podcast that ben Lindbergh hosts um, <laughs> which one yeah exactly had someone from the pirates on the pirates organization on talking about just the different things that they've been doing um, trying to be on the cutting edge of all that stuff. So knowing all that, knowing that the Pirates have had however many years of tracking Garrett Cole's body and his quote-unquote decline, do you f still feel like he's going to come to the Astros and be that pitcher that we saw in 2015? Do you think he can get back to that form? Because clearly he hasn't been that for the last two years. Um, no, probably not. But could he be closer to his 2016 self? I think so. I mean, and he, I don't even think that he was a particularly bad pitcher this last year. I mean, he ran into some bad luck, and he was still a three-win player, which you could do a lot worse with. Uh, so is he going to be back to, like, ace-like ch challenge for Cy Young pitcher? No, but I don't think that he has to do that, right? Like, that's the benefit of going to the Astros is you don't have to carry that team. And so you... You know, he may not get 33 starts this year because they're not pushing him to be that number one guy who they're throwing out in like the must win games. So uh, I think that it's a, still a great move for them. And I think he's still a good pitcher. I mean, his home runs were way up this last year, which I think is kind of an aberration for him. And he still he still throws 96 with, I think, good off-speed offerings as well. Yeah. So, so I, 
you know, I'm I'm not worried. I don't think that he has to like get back to that form, that two point six ERA form, to really make an impact on this team. Yeah, and I mean, what you said is true. His home run to fly ball was almost sixteen percent last year, and his previous high for his career was like nine percent. So almost doubling the previous high for his career. I think that probably has a lot to do with the juice ball. Um, and just the league-wide spike in home runs. You know, his his FIP said that he should have been a little better than what his ERA was last year. So you're probably right. I mean, I I still think it's a really smart move for the Astros. That's why I kind of jokingly, or maybe a little tongue-in-cheek, just tweeted the the white flag emoji from the <laughs> <Tipping Pitches> account. <laughs> yeah. But still, that that's a that's a really good rotation. That's a top. I don't know. I, it's hard to rank all the rotations right now because we're not sure where everyone's going to slot in and and who's going to land you Darvish and that kind of thing. But, you know, that's going to be a top third rotation in the league and pairing it with one of the best offenses of all time from 2017. I think that's a (laughs) dangerous combination. Oh, I would venture to say that this is maybe the best rotation in baseball right now. I mean, I can't think of another team that like front. I mean, their number five is who Lance McCullers right now, who looks like an ace at the beginning of 2017. And so... (laughs) it's really hard to say like who beats this team right i mean they're the team to beat obviously yeah and it's got to be really scary for literally all 29 other teams yeah i think it's the same i mean it's the same usual suspects right like the dodgers the mets if they're healthy i I mean i guess that's really it i don't know who else's rotation approaches this (laughs) (laughs) the nationals Uh, rotation is pretty good depending on health too true um and depending on how well some people can bounce back from from some surgeries yeah, so I think this is, all in all, it was a smart move for the Astros, obviously. If you can go out and get one of the better pitchers on the market out there, you might as well do it. Right? Also, the Astros have so many controllable assets still. Yeah. And, like, they still, what they gave up to go get potentially a top-of-the-line starter, you know, we can quibble about whether that is actually going to happen, but just the possibility that he might turn into some form of his 2015-16 self. And for what they gave up versus what they have, that's like a drop in the bucket. Yeah, absolutely. So, good for them. <laughs> I yeah. like the Astros. <laughs> I think it's it's a little while before they turn into like evil empire status. Yeah, but uh, but bringing it a little closer to home here, we had a we had a Mets move come through. We had two Mets and moves. We, we did have two Mets moves. Um, the big one, obviously, is the return of the beloved Jay Bruce. Yes. Back on three years, $39 million. Quick reaction. How do you feel about this? Uh, you know, when I first saw it, I guess the money makes sense for a corner outfielder who hits like he does, right? If you just want to look at it through that lens. But then you bring in his defense, which is putrid. <laughs> um, you look at some of the Mets needs in other places like second base, for example, or like the bullpen. If something they really want to do is try bullpenning a little more in 2018 and taking some of the load off the starters. I'm not in love with the move. I, I'm not also not really surprised by it because it's been kind of rumored since he left. And so if what we're looking at is the fact that the Mets just dropped $13 million and are actually willing to spend a little more, I guess that's fine. Um, I still, you could probably sign two pretty solid relievers for that money though, on a yearly basis. Yeah. It's, uh, well, and there was that story that I don't know if we talked about it 
on this show, but there was a story that came out a few weeks ago about how the Mets like payroll for the year was actually going to go down from last year. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know where this puts them relative to how much more they want to spend. I still, it's pretty easy to get uh, decent relievers on the cheap right now. I think, I mean, there's a pretty big wealth of them of yeah. guys you could take on. So yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, the fan base is kind of like up in arms about the whole relief situation, but I, I have to say like barring injuries, which I feel like is a clause that I put at the beginning of every sentence when we talk about the Mets and most teams. But barring like a catastrophic run of injuries to their bullpen, it's not bad. Yeah. Like they it went really is not Familia, you'll have Familia for the whole year. They just, you know, avoided arbitration with him. So he'll be at the back of the bullpen and he was really good when they were good. They got AJ Ramos, who I actually like. He throws hard. He pitched well for them last year, albeit in mop up and terrible situations <laughs> um blevins you know he was he was a solid lefty um who is not reliant on his fastball in a way that pretty much every other mets pitcher is and then you convert someone else from the bull or you convert someone else from the starting rotation you know they're not going to have lugo gaselman and wheeler all in the starting rotation if everything holds up i don't know i don't hate that bullpen do you no i don't think it's bad at all i mean i'm not looking at the I like the depth chart right now, but when I think bad bullpens, my mind doesn't automatically go to Mets, especially just because they have so many pitchers. Like you were saying, guys who kind of swing back and forth, like Gaselman or Lugo, who can provide some. I also some forgot. Real val- oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off, uh, yeah. but I also just forgot to mention that they signed Anthony Sorzak too. So right, which is a good move. So it it really is not awful. I think that like really, if you are trying to upgrade anywhere i think it's mostly some holes in the infield right like third base or second base but like is this move awful no i don't think so like it bolsters their line it's weird that like the mets really just just kind of give the boot to defense and they're like well we're not gonna try on this one it's infuriating every year it's infuriating i mean the two things that i've been asking for for so long have been defense and bullpen and like i just said i don't hate the bullpen anymore I, it was really bad, like my entire life. But they just—they really actually do just punt on defense, and it's insane. Knowing everything we know about baseball in 2018, to punt on defense is like suicide. Yeah, uh, I don't have much more to add to that. Um, I mean, unless they're going to play Juan Lagares in center field, their defense, their outfield—like they're going to consistently play him. Their outfield is going to be like worst outfield defenses in the league. Because Conforto is not a center fielder. Nimmo, yeah. I don't know if he his bat can keep him in the lineup consistently enough to actually help on defense. And Cespedes, we know, is bad <laughs> now <laughs> at this point in his life. I mean, he has a strong arm, but he lets fly That's balls go through his glove. Yeah, the the offense in the outfield is like great right now. If you have Cespedes and Conforto and Bruce, then that like that's fine. You're getting great production from them. Uh, certainly not a lot of range. It's kind of like throwing like three cinder blocks out there. I'm yeah. not really sure what you're going to get from that. But Conforto, you, you, like, you could do worse. He looked okay in center field to the naked eye, but like his range stats were not great. Yeah, and that's yeah, like he just doesn't have that speed. Yeah, that's most of what being a center fielder is now. You know, you yeah. can look at someone and say you can look at Cespedes and Bruce and say they're terrible outfielders. You wouldn't say that looking at Conforto, but also. He's just not getting to stuff in the gap 
in the way that like the elite center fielders are in the way that like Juan Lagares is. If you put side by side views, there was like the MLB, I forget who it was, but someone, it might've been like Mike Petriello or something. He did like a, like a side by side comparison of like the elite center fielders, the elite outfielders getting to balls that like average players were not getting to. Did you see that story? And like, that is the difference between Lagares and Conforto. You know, Conforto looks okay. He can hold his own. He's been playing outfield for a long time, but he's just not helping pitchers in the way that Ligaris is. And I well, I saw yeah. somewhere on Twitter that they might try to work in Jay Bruce at first base sometimes. And, like, are we just forgetting the fact that we need to develop Smith and Erzario? Yeah. We just don't work in Jay Bruce, and then we haven't even talked about Adrian Gonzalez yet. Right, yeah. So that's what I was going to say is that I, when they made the move, I was like, okay, well, maybe they'll see if they can work with Bruce's defense in right field. And if it's not working out, and if you know Smith's bat isn't coming along as well as they wanted, they could put Bruce at first and move Conforto over and just play Ligaris. But then they went and signed Adrian Gonzalez. So like Bruce is now basically your right fielder. You don't really want three first basemen on your roster nope. that come one of whom is like an aging veteran and the other who is a like prospect who needs to get better. Yep. So Adrian Gonzalez, uh, first thoughts on this one? Uh, can he play third base? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, here's my first thoughts is that it makes sense without the Bruce signing. And I don't, right. I mean, Bruce is terrible. So Bruce is terrible at first also. So he's just going to have to play right field, which means he's going to have to play right field every day, more or less. And I don't know, how many games does Gonzalez want to play? I haven't heard really, you know, like the Dodgers cut him or traded him to get cut because they wanted him to be able to play, right? Like the whole thing was like he wanted to come back and play and this was the best situation for everyone because they knew Bellinger was going to play every day because he had such a good year. And they didn't keep him around for insurance in case Bellinger goes through like a 180 slump because he wants to play. I mean, I know he hasn't come out in the media and said any of this yet, but presumably Adrian Gonzalez expects to play, you know, not every day. His body can't hold up every day, but like every third day. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like, I don't hate the signing in itself. I think it does. What you said is right. It makes the Bruce signing look weirder, but like, I still like the Gonzalez one more because maybe that is what Dominic Smith needs, right? Is a, um, a veteran who can work with him on this sort of thing. Putting Gonzalez's playing time desires aside, it's not the worst thing in the world for this clubhouse. The, this clubhouse that doesn't have a lot of these types of veterans on their roster, right? In the yeah. dugout with them, with David Wright, just kind of over in the ether. So it's, so it's like, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) so it's like not the worst thing in the world, especially if, and you know, he's a decent bounce back candidate maybe. And if he just comes off the bench and spells Smith when he needs to, then fine, that seems fine. But now you have to go with Bruce and right field every day, which is just, uh, it's just, it like pains me to watch. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it depends on what Adrian Gonzalez thinks he wants to do. You know, if he's fine with doing that, then fine. Yeah. Um, we, sh- we should ask him. We should get him on the podcast. Yeah. Yo, so... Ad- Adrian, are you actually good with this? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm looking at the Mets depth chart right now. And uh... 
Second and third base look bad. I was reading somewhere that the Mets are interested in bringing back Neil Walker. And I'm like, are we really just going to run back the same 2015-16 plugs? Like, is this, this is literally what we're doing is we're just bringing back the same guys that we used as one year to two year plugs last time. And yep. it wasn't great. <laughs> we sold them all for nothing <laughs> at the trade deadline. Do we think we're going to sell them for more? <laughs> Bring back Lucas Duda. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. All right. Well, so the Mets are doing things. The Astros are doing things. Marcel Ozuna very much does not want to be an A, apparently. Yes. So what is, what's up with this? Yes. Okay. So let me just read real quick from the Yahoo Sports article about Ozuna not wanting to go to one specific team. Marcel Ozuna, the new St. Louis Cardinals outfielder, met the local fans for the first time Sunday at the team's annual winter warm-up event and relayed a story that will surely endear him to Cardinals fans for years to come, and it might earn him some booze the next time he's in Oakland. And then basically it just goes on later to say that the A's were the one team that he requested not to be traded to. To which I would say... You spent your whole career on the Marlins, and you don't want to be traded yeah, to the beggars A's? can't be choosers, dude. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you are, you want what? you want at all costs to be traded away from this dumpster <laughs> fire of an organization, and the one team that you would stay at the Marlins for is the A's, who have like <laughs> decent amount of young talent. Sure, they play in a bad stadium right now, but as we've talked about so many times, they're looking to replace that. And they have good fans. It's not always full there because the Coliseum kind of sucks and the A's have been bad. But I feel like if the A's are good and the young talent comes through, of which they have plenty, they that's have not a ton. A, they have one of the deepest like farm systems in baseball right now. Yes, that's not a bad team to be on. And also, awesome uniforms. At the very <laughs> least, you don't have to wear those terrible Marlins <laughs> uniforms anymore. Yeah, true. Although the bar was pretty low for that one. And so you decided to go to the the Cardinals. Yeah. Who have the most unbearable fans in the world. Yeah, weak move. His quote was, the first thing I heard was, they were going to trade me to the Oakland A's. I said, God, please leave me over here. Then I heard they traded me to the Cardinals. And I said, okay, thanks. First of all, not the most interesting guy. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> he said, okay, thanks. No, okay, God, please leave me over here. I don't trust this man anymore. Don't trust him. Nah. That's nah, bad judgment. He can't be trusted in a life or death situation if he's willing to shun Oakland for Miami, the the Miami dumpster fires. Yeah, that's pretty lame. I'm hurt by it. I'm personally hurt. We should bring him on. Be like, Marcel, why'd you got to do us like that? Our most recurring bit is we should bring him on. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. All right, well, we've rambled on enough about boring shit or relatively boring shit. And uh, when we come back, some more ridiculous things. All right, so a storyline that we've been following on this podcast, you'll know if you've been listening, is is we love ourselves a good comeback story. And one of the ones that has caught our attention recently 
is the one and only Rafael Palmero is interested in coming back and playing Major League Baseball. He uh, he stated his desire for this a while ago and talked about how, I don't know how old he is. He's like, what, 55, 60? But he says he's still got it in him. I think the consensus was, on, on our part, he's probably not going to be very good. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> there's a reason that you don't see many 55-year-olds playing baseball anymore. Because at that point, you're probably just not a very good baseball player. But... He is feeling himself, and so he posted a video on Twitter a few days ago of him taking BP in the batting cage, and we'll put a link to this in the description so y'all can take a look at it, but it's uh, it's a pretty incredible thing to watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's do it. Uh, Armchair scouts. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, we gotta, we got to break this one down. Um, First of all, the BP is coming at, I would venture to guess, no more than 65 miles per hour. Absolutely. Like, he's in the cage. He is wearing <laughs> the classic, like, shorts with leggings underneath. Yeah, uh, backwards hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like a bro. He's pulling everything, like, into the dugout foul. And I'm like, this is the video that you chose? If this is the best video you could find for your MLB comeback, we're in trouble here, man. Yeah, that um I'm just going to say it that bat speed is not there yet. Forever. <laughs> it's not coming back. <laughs> I I, I want to see him work with it a little more. Uh he's still got the swagger, which which I appreciate. So good makeup. Ooh, he just took a ball here. That was a good eye. Uh that yeah, was a I saw that. Low. Yeah, it was a little low. It was yeah. at the shins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but but yeah, I'm not going to lie. This looks about what I would if you told me, "Hey, this 55-year-old took batting practice." Uh, this is about what what I would have imagined. What team should he go to? Uh, the Marlins. That'd be <laughs> I feel so like, fun. I feel Where like can they he could play? Use any help? You need to put him in the field somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So maybe an AL team is the best fit for him. Yeah. You know what? What I forgot to mention about the uh, the Mets signing Jay Bruce is that I saw some article that was like, "There's quote momentum among the league's front office for bringing the DH to the NL," and I saw someone put on Twitter, "The Mets are just ahead of the curve." They know they they know something that we don't know that the DH is going to be here and they're just going to DH neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, anyway, Palmero, bring him to the Astros. Just put everyone on the Astros. That'd be fun. Yeah, just like a super team and Rafael Palmero. Honestly, why not at this point? In um, equally as unimpressive on the baseball field, <laughs> potentially more <laughs> unimpressive, <laughs> is uh, noted rapper Fifty Cent, who this past week, has announced that he wants to redeem himself for the terrible first pitch that he threw out for the New York Mets in, I don't know, what year even was that? I feel like I had don't remember a time when this wasn't part of my cultural canon. Yeah, right, that was only back in 2014, but it is widely regarded. I'm sure you've seen the video. It's widely regarded as maybe the worst first pitch of all time. And <laughs> it makes me laugh. Every single time I see it. <laughs> if there's a worse first pitch, I challenge someone to send it to us. Because this, <laughs> it's like 14 feet away. For, it's like it's like halfway up the first baseline. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's like 15 feet up the first baseline. <laughs> he almost hits a photographer in the balls. Like, I don't know who's catching it, but he doesn't even try. He doesn't even reach out and pretend. 
Now, we could give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the ball slipped. Maybe he was practicing a lot for this. Um, he got on the mound a little before, and then he got out there. The nerves hit him. His palms got a little sweaty, and uh, and the ball just slipped out. He said, so, uh, he said that he was trying to throw it too hard, that he just <laughs> wanted to get up there and gas one, and that, that this is what happened. My theory is that he's just too swole to lift his arm up to the correct slot to <laughs> throw it far enough, you know? Like, he can't. Yeah. His pecs can't come close enough together that like he finishes the pitch. So he just left his arm up and out, and that's how it got away from him. But still, 15 feet up the first baseline. He's got a pretty good motion. I like it. It's kind no, of a throwback. It's no, like, he doesn't. It's like, 19, it's like 1910s. Like, just kind of <laughs> throw your leg out there and just like heave the ball towards home plate. This is, this is what we're coming to. You're defending his motion. <laughs> <laughs> like also, the, the still of him throwing it is hysterical because he looks like quap <laughs> <laughs> he almost he looks a little like afraid of what's about to happen yeah if being honest i i genuinely i genuinely love it like, and this is not also, a man with confidence that he's about to throw a strike <laughs> that watch on his wrist is fire uh absolutely um okay but he says he wants to redeem himself and the mets have offered for him to come back because why wouldn't they because this is free publicity for them whether it's good or bad um, yeah. My question to you is, do you think he can actually redeem himself? You know, I think he could. Like, th- it would make for a really good, like, Rocky montage or something like that, where you see him, like, working <laughs> out and, like, going out on the mound on his off days and, and practicing and practicing and practicing, and then he gets out there and, like, throws a perfect strike. That would make a beautiful 30 for 30. I would my- watch that. <laughs> like a 30 for 30 short? <laughs> <laughs> my advice to him is work on your flexibility. Yeah, got to get that shoulder joint flexible, man. Yeah, he just looks a little tense out there. Yeah, he like, had, like he doesn't have the confidence in himself. Yeah, he doesn't have the arm coming down motion. You know, he's not throwing no. it on a downward plane. That's his problem. Yeah, and he's getting he's got really like under the ball with this, so he's kind of like just launching it towards home plate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm rooting for him. What would be your move if you were throwing out a first pitch? Like, would you be obviously you go all the way to up to the mound? You can't not. Yeah, but obviously. Would you try to throw it hard? Would you try to throw it on a line, or would you just try to get it in the general vicinity? Uh, not gonna lie, I would. I mean, I'm not gonna like lob it in there. There's absolutely no way I'm gonna go out there and throw <laughs> as hard as I can because that could end terribly in so many ways. I think I might do a little like funky rotation. You know, maybe swing the hands back or something like that. Twist all the way around, get like a Johnny Cueto or something. Make it a little goofy, and then just like just like kind of just gently toss one in there for a strike. Yeah. is is my hope. I think so too. I want not making a fool out of myself and like throwing seventy and it bounces like ten feet in front of home plate and like hits one of the photographers standing in the back. That not to mention not that, fun. but like I'm definitely tearing my UCL if I do that. Truly. <laughs> <laughs> um I wanna say that I would get up there and actually like go through the full rotation and gas one, but that's just not what I would do. I would be way no. too scared. Absolutely. I, it's embarrassing because I was literally a pitcher and like <laughs> All they're asking me to do is throw it like 70% for a strike, yeah. and I definitely <laughs> could not do that. <laughs> um, I think that my move would be to like imitate some famous pitcher. I got a pretty good yeah. Tim Lincecum tucked away somewhere, so I think I would I would go with that or something. Yeah, you could do like a conglomerate of uh, of different moves. You get like a Satchel Page leg kick in there. Yeah, although I don't want to hurt myself. Pull a hammy. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, the ball doesn't even leave your hand. <laughs> you just like crumple to the ground. Tear my ACL. <laughs> you get out there and you like call for the trainer. You'd be like, coach, I can't do this. I'm sorry. Carry me off on a stretcher. <laughs> Oh God! All right. Well, I we are we here at Tipping Pitches are wishing fifty the best of luck in twenty eighteen. Oh, we, <laughs> we should uh we should do like a live Tipping Pitches short from this when yes. he does end it. That would be fun. I couldn't agree more. That's the plan. We should go to the game. Oh yeah, that's true. Be live live from the ballpark. We see if we could get like field access to this one. Interview <laughs> him afterwards. So what did it feel like to finally throw it within? 30 feet of the strike zone (laughs) (laughs) i think he can do it i think he'll get out there and and wow us all with a with a strike right down the middle i think so too all right well um when we come back we're just going to finish up with some uh a little more looking ahead to 2018 All right, so it is the new year officially. We're about two weeks in, and uh, with the new year comes a new crop of terrible takes. And uh, you know, we went over some of the worst ones uh, last year, and that were some of our most favorite. Those were some of our most favorite segments <laughs> with uh, Yasiel Puig and the Shohei Otani stuff. But yeah, so looking forward in 2018, something we wanted to do was talk about what we think might be some of the worst takes that we read. Um, yeah, th- these are these are our takes on what the worst takes will be. <laughs> so yeah, you want to kick us off? Yeah, let's do it. So you mentioned it a little earlier about how the Astros maybe haven't reached evil empire status yet. But I think it is inevitable. After any team wins the championship in, in pretty much any sport, they start to be play the role of the villain, right? They are the team to beat, especially with this Garrett Cole trade. I absolutely think that we are going to start getting some um, Astros villain takes. And I think it could be tinged a little bit with some, oh, well, like they don't play the game the right way, right? Like what what are these guys doing? Um, Maybe attacking some of the Latin players. A lot of the worst takes are tinged with some uh, racist or or sexist undertones. And so it would not surprise me if we start to get that in the new year about how the Astros are the ruining things and the ruining baseball. And, and this is not good for the sport. Yeah, I gotta say that's a good prediction, mostly because remote fan bases tend to hate when one when the rest of the world loves one team. And I think we got to that level with the Astros. I feel like the the uh, middle of the road people all kind of pulled towards the Astro side in the World Series last year. And yeah. so I think I can see some backlash against that. Along those same lines, my my first one was, I, I think we'll get a few, could the Astros be the best team ever takes before the season starts? I think just like with that rotation and with Garrett Cole in there, I think the possibilities are, I don't want to say endless because, you know, we know what a team can actually be. But 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 the possibility for takes are certainly endless <laughs> on a team as good as this. Like you can go pretty much any direction. With yes, it. old school 
like old school baseball writers have the freedom now to say like oh my god look at this rotation like the the quants will say well here's the maximum for this and here's what garrett cole has been doing the last couple years and here's the trends and we're not likely to see a springer bregman correa combination of health and production the way we did last year but who cares about all that shit when you can just throw a take out there (laughs) oh yeah the columnists are gonna hit back and be like well what does it feel like because it feels like they're pretty darn good bro (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right though about there's going to be some backlash to the Latin flair that some of the players have. And I think that as weird as this may sound, I think Hurricane Harvey insulated this team from some of those racist takes um, right. because they were sort of a, you know, like a beacon through all of that. And I think with that in the rear view, I think some some columnist somewhere will have something to say about a bat flip and it'll spark a whole like a debate show cycle of what do we think about bat flips again? Yeah. Yeah. The, the yearly look at, is this flare good for the game? And do we like bat flips and should be, should players even be allowed to be happy about their, the fact that they're playing baseball? Like, should we let them show joy at all? And you know, honestly, the answer is no, no joy. This is not a fun game. (laughs) We take this very seriously over here at tipping pitches. Um, all right, what's your next one? My other one, and th- these are all basically cues that we take from like New York tabloid media because <laughs> <laughs> it's our go-to source for takes. You and I both went to the New York Post before this just to like warm ourselves up a little bit and get ourselves in the mood. And so I think with John- Giancarlo Stanton now on the Yankees, if he struggles at all and you know maybe he has a slow start to the season, a slow month, um, I think he will get eaten alive by the New York media who say that he is overrated and the Yankees overpaid for him, overpaid in prospects, I guess. And he was absolutely <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> and he's not worth the contract that they're paying him. And this is all going to shit. And he, I mean, he's going to be fine. He's going to have a good year again because he's Giancarlo Stanton. If he doesn't get hurt, like he'll be amazing. Yeah. Um, but, you know. You know how the New York media is. Oh, yeah. I can totally see it happening. If he misses like a three-week stretch, I can see someone linking to that workout video that we tweeted of him like pulling all that (laughs) weight down and being like, this can't be good for your back. Some old white dude who has been sitting in the same chair writing the same column on his Windows 1997 for 15 years is going to say, this workout is bad for his back. Oh, (laughs) really? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get a a New York Post headline that's like Stanton, more like Canton. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> um, okay, along those same lines, my next one is that someone is gonna have the take Shohei Otani was too soft to pitch in New York. Yep. Oh wait, we already had that take. <laughs> <laughs> they saved it. Uh-oh. They didn't waste any time. They threw uh, it out at the end of 2017. <laughs> we're absolutely going to get so many more of those. Though. Yeah, He's going to be scrutinized so hard. I want him to pitch. When the Angels play the Yankees, I want them to start him. They have to. Oh, um, excuse me. We actually have some breaking news here. First time on the podcast. Um, breaking news. Andrew McCutcheon is a giant. What? Yeah. Hold on. Let me open Twitter. Right. <laughs> oh, Damn. wow. Yep. There it is. Ken Rosenthal. One and only. Uh, you want to do a five-second reaction to that? Because we're running yeah. out of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, I mean, there it is. That's five seconds. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, a hot react, quick reaction. Um, uh, seem sounds good to me. Like the Giants are going to be actually pretty good this year. Yeah. Um, my quick reaction like, is that the Giants didn't have an outfield before, and now if McCutcheon stays good, they have an outfield. They actually might have an outfield. Like pretty good move. McCutcheon is still a good player. I don't know who they gave up for them for him, right? Like. I don't know if we know that information yet, but kind of out of the blue, like like nine minutes ago, I got a uh, like an alert that was like, oh, the the Pirates and Giants are uh, they're starting to get serious, and then we got the they got really serious really quickly. Yeah. He's now on the Giants. All right, well, why don't you finish us up with one last hot take for 2018, and we'll explore the uh, McCutcheon to the Giants a little bit later in another episode. All right. Um, my last take, and it's going to happen and it's going to pain me. It's going to pain you, but I think the Tim Tebow is going to struggle and we're going to get a take, a very wrong take that it's time for him to hang it up (laughs) and that, that his time in baseball is done. And the Uh, answer to that is no, that's not true. It will never be true. You're so right. That's this take is coming. I can feel it. It's right on the precipice. It, It really is. Um, it's been a while since we've had some like Tebow content. I feel like we should uh, we got to get back into the flow of things. We had one person tweeted us asking if we were still doing the Tebow updates cuz he was going back and listening through from the beginning and sadly we have not been but don't worry it's coming 2018 Tim Tebow is back. Yeah, I saw some article the other day that was like how he balances like TV broadcasts and baseball practice or something like that so maybe we can explore that one a little more. How yeah. is he doing? The Tim Tebow update. He strikes me as the kind of guy who doesn't get too high or too low. <laughs> he strikes me as the yeah. kind of guy who is just living living his life and trying to help people. I don't know. Getting closer to God every day. Pretty much. You know, we are also definitely going to get some terrible Mets should blow it up takes. So Yeah. Well, it's coming. Yeah, that's definitely coming. We're probably going to get that even before someone gets hurt. Just at like the first glimmer of someone maybe potentially being hurt. We're going to get those takes. Yeah, so then maybe we'll get a uh, the Mets should call up Tim Tebow take, too. Yeah, every take has an equal and opposite take. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be funny anymore I got a too short skirt Maybe I can be the cute one Is there room? Well, that was fun. I mean, I'm sure the takes will blow us out of the water when they actually come. Oh, they will. I mean, we're not even going to be able to predict some of the ones. Like, the the best ones are the ones that you absolutely did not see coming. Yes. And and rest assured that we will talk about them on the show. And if you see a take that we missed, because, you know, we have our take sources, but we can't get them all. So please send us the worst ones that you see, and we'll absolutely address them on the show. Yeah, the best takes are the ones that you didn't know you needed. And then you get them. Like <laughs> the Puig exactly. one, I thought that we left all of those in 2013 or whatever. And here it was, right again, it's 2017. The, it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> all right, well, thank you for listening, y'all. We are, if the hot stove does not heat up, we will, I promise we'll be back with some more creative stuff uh, next week since Alex is going to be back in New York City. Yeah, we'll be back in the studio, back on our BS. Yeah, so 
thank you for listening. And uh, if you have a take that you want to throw our way that is just blazing hot, feel free to uh, email it to us or, you know, if it can fit in 280 characters, all the better. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for listening, y'all. Yeah, see you next week.